Listening to the Coffee Hour, I'm Sarah Golseth. I'm Andy Bates. Thanks to Concordia University Wisconsin for your support of the Coffee Hour. You can find out more about Concordia University Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live uncommon. We get to talk about vocation today, which is something I love talking about. It's applicable to literally everybody and in, in all stages of life. So joining us today, we have the Reverend Dr. James Gimbel, president of Concordia. Concordia Lutheran Seminary in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Thanks so much for joining us today, Dr. Gimbel. You're welcome. Glad to be here. So you wrote a fantastic article for the Canadian Lutheran on vocatio. Fantastic article. We will link that in the show notes for today's episode so all of our listeners can go read that. But let's talk about vocation, what vocation means, and what it was like back at the time of Martin Luther as well. So before before we even get into any of that, let's Let's define this term. What do we actually mean by vocation? Yeah. So in Luther's day, there were the three learned professions, divinity, medicine, law. And Luther wasn't necessarily opposed to that viewpoint, but for him, there were some things that that overshadowed it was of concern to him that the learned professions seemed to make everyone else into a lower class. And potentially less lovable by God, less important in society and culture. And and Luther really emphasized God's love for every person, not just those who were learned. He emphasized education so that those who were peasants at, at any part of the societal system would be able to have access to scripture, to the matters of faith, and to be able to live out their life in relation to God. So in, in to that context, where there was an emphasis on the learned professions, Luther's voice would say, hey, there's something bigger out there. Every single person matters to God. And vocatio is related to God's, I think, the first article, creation design, where God not only said every part of creation has a purpose, is designed with an intention, but also every person has a purpose, and it all fits together in the way God cares for his world. So we've used the word vocation. You used another word. Tell us a little bit more about the etymology of this word yes. vocation, since you threw some Latin at us. <laughs> vocatio. Yeah, it's it really is related to vocare, which is calling, and, and its simplest being God called into creation in Genesis all the parts that would be part of the world, part of the created universe. And God has called, vocatio, he has called us to live in a variety of roles, offices, Luther sometimes refers to them as. But in his calling, we respond by doing the things that are presented to us in, in our daily lives. Mm-hmm. This is, might be a, a tiny bit of a tangent, but when, whenever we talk about a call, we have our callings. When we talk about vocation, we have the call when we call a pastor. Is there a difference? Is there like a small C call and a big C call when we talk about that word? Sometimes we use that just to differentiate. And I don't want to minimize the big C call, the call that we extend to a pastor or a deacon or a deaconess or any of the other church vocations. Those are, we sometimes refer to them as church vocations or church profession, professions, 
But that is an important part of the way God fulfills a need in word and sacrament ministry. That's part of how he shares his sort of second and third article love for the world. But the the small c callings are part of how even non-believers, if there's a non-believer physician who does a very effective job, or if there's a, a non-Christian politician who is a, a good and fair ruler, that person is is serving God, whether he knows it and does it to God's glory or not. And that's part of a, a calling to fulfill what God has designed in the creation of the world. Yeah. So let's talk more about, about that, about God's creation. Where do we learn about vocation and this this calling? Where do we hear about this in Scripture? Well, in Genesis 1 and 2, of course, as Genesis 1 in particular, as God spoke the word and it was created, we see that. But it, also in the Psalms, there are references to this these odd little places where God will say things through the inspired author about you know let the let the rocks speak or or let the the oceans resound in praise to God, and when when anything does its created function, it is reflecting God and it, it is. It is fulfilling its purpose in life in reflection of God. Now. We can't always say that this rock sitting here in the field is is fulfilling a distinct purpose in the same way, but uh, Psalm 19, I think, can be a helpful place because we there see this divide in the psalm. The first half of the psalm talks about the heavens declaring the glory of God, and then in the in the last half of Psalm 19, it's about Torah, the, the Word of God that reflects and and proclaims Him. Now, that's about proclaiming God, that's a little bit different than just simply serving God, as we talked about earlier. Why is it important to make the distinction between vocation and other things like job or career? Is there some overlap or is there an important distinction there? I think it, it, there's a lot there's a lot of distinction, a lot of difference. There are vocations that we serve, serve where we serve God in our everyday life that may sometimes be overlooked. When maybe to illustrate, and I do this a bit in the article, but when a pastor has a capital C call and serves his church, that's not all he is. He has other roles that he fills. He may be married and be a husband. He may be a father. And that's a, each of those is a little bit distinct in the estate of the family, but they have distinct roles. At times, he relates uniquely to his wife as a husband. At times, he relates in partnership to his wife as a father. But those are parts of God's design for the world, how he raises children in the family or how he cares for people through the, the marriage relationship. And those are parts of God's design, parts of God's calling. So parts of his vocations, not just a vocation, a profession or a career is, is something where you may earn a living to to provide in other ways for your family but and and it may overlap my calling as a pastor or a president of the seminary is is part of my vocation but it's not my only vocation i have many hats that i wear in my vocation life 
What does it tell us about God's design for the world, how the world works, that it isn't, this vocation isn't just for believers, like you mentioned earlier. And I think that is, that is a very, that's a very cool thing to, to think about that, that these vocations aren't just for the people in the pews, the, the, the congregation, the children of God. These, these vocations are, are for everybody. What does that tell us about how God designed this world to work? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think if we step back and ask, how does God interact to others? We tend to think that God's primary interaction is to, he, his primary goal is to interact only through or primarily through his word. But when God created the world, he, it, of course, in with in Genesis with Adam and Eve, there was no sin, and so everything had this relationship with God. The in in the account of Cain and Abel, for example, God says to Cain after he's killed his brother Abel, don't you know that even the voice of your brother's blood speaks to us from the ground? There are times in the miraculous accounts where the things that God created do God's will and purpose by his intervention and design. But if we step back even further or step back in a different direction, we can say God designed every person to have some function. And in that function, it all fits together so that the world is is a complete place. So I can go to a to a physician who I mean, I, I may prefer for a variety of reasons to have someone who is a Christian and has Christian values like my own. But in on the surgical table, if I need surgery, God has likely given people who are not Christian, not Lutheran, some of the gifts and skills that they need to to provide God's healing hand, because I need healing at that time to provide God's healing hand. And it all works together. When in a broken world, we forget that God is behind us, behind every person's gifts and abilities, then Christianity may be seen as primarily a function of what we do on Sunday rather than how we live in every moment of our being. And I think it it gives us opportunity to witness and talk, engage in conversation with people about what they do and how they serve and how they might serve God, the the greater purpose that they have in the world, not just their own income. Mm -hmm. We're talking about vocation with Reverend Dr. James Gimbel, president of Concordia Lutheran Seminary in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. We have more to talk about, but we need to take a quick break. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Sarah Golseth. I'm Andy Bates. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon.
Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Sarah Golseth. I'm Andy Bates. We're talking about vocation with the Reverend Dr. James Gimbel, president of Concordia Lutheran Seminary in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. And before we went to break, we were talking about how this vocation is for all people, how God created people with these purposes, these callings to to carry out in their daily lives. And we mentioned that we were going to get to Martin Luther. So what does what does Martin Luther say about vocation? What is what are his writings on this? There's quite a bit in Luther about vocatio or vocation, but it's really scattered in a variety of places. If you look in the Genesis commentary, he talks about the purpose and the function. If you look in Galatians, he describes some of the ways that, that that's played out, and, and it's really in a number of places. But I think Luther, if I can jump to a, a different piece. Luther also came to this this concerning realization that if clergy are the primary ones who relate to the Word of God, then they can use the Latin language, the Latin Mass, and it doesn't matter. They have a, a higher level of relationship with God according to their ordination and calling, and there's not really there's not really a need for the gospel to be distributed among the common people who may lack some of the, the gifts and abilities to read the word for themselves and discern it. But Luther spoke in opposition to that, saying the word of God is for everyone. That's part of his educational focus with getting the Bible translated into German and the, the German Bible into the hands of, of the everyday person actually increasing literacy by doing that. Because in in the setting where the scriptures and the faith have levels or layers, and the clergy are, by virtue of their ordination, if it's a sacrament, they're already at a step higher. If the clergy then are privileged to take communion in both kinds, to be the interpreters of scripture, to, to withhold forgiveness and use the office of the keys according to primarily their whim instead of the clear dictates of scripture then there's an there's an opportunity that creeps in for a clergy to abuse the scripture and abuse the christian faith and elevate themselves to a level above the the, the world that god so loved with the gospel and the message of jesus christ and so luther spoke he went back and said what are the what are the sacraments and eliminated ordination as one of the sacraments not as an important rite and an important part of of the clergy's role or eligibility for for call but as sacrament that elevates clergy to a higher level and he really tried to eliminate this differentiation that the gospel is for those who know latin or those who are are clergy trained the gospel is really the Word of God for everyone. And into that context, Luther was emphasizing the importance of letting the gospel be shared around the world. It's interesting how good gifts from God, whether it's creation or the order that he sets that creation in or any other good gift, we just manage to take take it and confuse it or abuse it and turn it into something that it's not. Any other thoughts on that? maybe how we've misused or misunderstood vocation or abused or confused it? 
Well, yeah, I think there are times when we may think that the clergy are the primary ones who should do all the service in the, in the congregation. It's up to them to to initiate all the work, and and that's a misunderstanding. It in our Lutheran theology, it, it particularly in a Waltherian understanding of church and ministry, there's a there's a marriage or a partnership between congregation, the people of God, and the pastor who is led to to lead the people of God with that word and sacrament ministry. So if I, I just had a conversation recently with a congregation that was frustrated with their pastor because he didn't initiate and lead all the aspects of ministry and trying to say, well, it's it's a partnership. We partner together. That's one problem that can creep in. I think another is what we've talked about when at times uh, the office of the keys can be misunderstood. We we are very clear in saying that there is a, a public office of ministry, but that doesn't mean sharing the gospel isn't something that every person can do or should do. When we talk about the the importance of confessing sin and forgiving sin, if it was only the pastor who was allowed to forgive sin and it only happened in the in the divine service with the formal confession and absolution, we, we would kind of be in a hurt bag when it comes to living in forgiven relationships with one another. But God has given to each of us not only the opportunity, but also the privilege to forgive the sins of another. Withholding sin is another matter. That's a that's a technicality, but largely God says we are to forgive the sins of another, even as we've been forgiven. That's part of the Lord's prayer. But like you said, almost anything in a broken world can be twisted, and that that inward curving, that sort of selfish side of life, can easily encroach on a lot of really good gifts that God has given. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about about the, the term being a mask of God and how that relates to to this these ideas of vocation that we've been discussing? Where does that how how do we understand that term, the mask of God? Sure, yeah, that's a great question, and and I love that term, but I think sometimes we pray. God send healing. And it's important that if we pray that prayer, God may not show up in a lab coat or or at the hospital when we meet him at the eMERGE or ER. But God might have a very fine nurse or physician or, or PA who's tending to our needs. And that person is wearing the mask of God. When we pray, God send healing. God does through means, through people. He may do it through the lab that produces medicines that that we take on a regular basis, our daily daily medicine routine. Or when we pray that God would protect us, he may do that not always by being the strong arm of God at the country's borders, but he may do that through members of the military who wear the mask of God when we pray that God would would govern us. And, And I don't know that we... Here, I think we understand that God doesn't sit as the as the king on earth, but that he raises people to be in leadership positions in in politics or in government, and that those those people are wearing the mask of God when they govern. They may not recognize it, right? So there are times when 
when a ruler acts improperly away from God's design. But the, that person, it, it's a different topic maybe, but that person is still a representative of God, wearing the mask of God. And even in business, the mask of God is is worn by a by a business leader, a manager. In the family, God is the one who cares for children, but he puts the mask on the mother, the father. Each person then is doing what God would want for that, for the world, for things to happen in the world. But it's through the masks and the people that, that he has appointed at that point in time. Masks and vocation all seem to be, uh, to, to some degree, somewhat unique for each person's gifts or station in life, wherever their, their place in life is. And I can't think, help but think of some more modern concepts of like identity and mm -hmm. you be you, you know, just be you or you do you. <laughs> I, I, I'm curious, it, it, maybe we could compare and contrast <laughs> these, this modern idea of individualism and, and identity and being you versus this idea or this concept of, of vocation that we see in scripture and that Luther certainly taught on greatly. Do you see some, some significant differences or maybe some similarities between these two concepts? I think our Lutheran heritage, our Lutheran system of understanding the world is not always putting things in opposition, but holding in paradox. So I don't think that vocatio necessarily eliminates the idea of an individual filling an office, but at the same time, Time that I, as a unique person, or each of you as unique God-designed people, fill the roles that you're doing right now, God also, in his amazing thing, amazing way, says it's not just about you. It's not just you as an individual. It's about how you fit together in the world. And it's, it's both of those, it, almost in paradox, that allow the world to continue to function. Individuals that God raises who individually, uniquely, distinctly fill their, their vocatios, but also collectively are part of the greater society. Mm-hmm. So how do how does this the this vocation these roles these callings that we have how does this play out then in our in our individual lives whether it's whether it's just in in our workplaces in the home in the church how does how does this play out then for us as we're just living our daily lives yeah, I think so. A lot of people who uh, people who aren't Christian may not realize that they're serving God in what they do, but for each of us as called believers in Christ, we wake up in the morning not only thankful to God for 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 providing for us another night of sleep and a day ahead, but we ask or we may ask. How can I serve you, Lord? It's about service to him. It's about intentionality to something, like we've already said, bigger than ourselves. It's about seeing how, being aware of how what we do fits into God's design and, and asking to do it to the best of our ability, but also to the glory of God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So as we, as we live out our daily lives what what things can we keep in mind as we're as we are serving our neighbors as we go to church and and sit in the pew during a divine service what what can what can we remember to help us live out our vocations more faithfully yeah i think we're called to believe 
in God. We're called to belong to him along with the other members of the family of God, the other believers at church, at home, in other places. We're also called to serve the greater community. And what what a, a pastor does is not just in relation to his church. What I do is not just in relation to the students or faculty and staff we have, but ideally serves the greater good of culture and society by contributing well-trained, well-informed leaders for the church in community, wherever they go to serve. And I think every person can say, what does this mean for me as I serve God in a, in a variety of settings, day in and day out? How does what I do, my gift mix, my calling, fulfilling this role, contribute to the way that God has designed the world? fantastic. Reverend Dr. James Gimbel, president of Concordia Lutheran Seminary in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Thanks so much for joining us today to talk about vocation. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks, Andy. It's great to be here. And I hope this clarifies a few things about something that you can all get excited about. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And we will put a link in the show notes to your article in the Canadian Lutheran titled On Vocatio, a fantastic article. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Sarah Golseth. I'm Andy Bates. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. Anywhere.